Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor. This is the Monday Morning Pastor podcast. I'm Bob Hyatt, and with me is uh, our esteemed host, Doug Moister. Doug, good to see you. Bob, good to see you too, man. Here we are. October we are. 16th, man. It's like it, a beautiful day. We are in the time machine right now. It's actually <laughs> October 5th, but we're recording for October 16th. Yeah, that always throws me off, man. You said October 16th. I had to look up at the calendar thing and go, wait, wait, what? You're like, I'm oh, on vacation man. right now. What am I doing? I'm in trouble. Yeah. Well, no, by October 16th, I'll be back. You'll be but, back. But uh, right. yes. So the time machine would have taken me past the Bahamas cruise that Ooh. I'm about to go on and, and just before a family wedding down in Florida. So that would have been a bummer. Wait. So, I would have missed it. So Bob, I don't think we've talked about this on the Monday morning pastor, but you've met, like you have a very uh, strong opinion on cruises. I love them. I thought like I was, I was a cruise skeptic, you know? Hmm. And uh, I didn't think I'd ever be a cruise guy in my, in my mind, cruises were like, you know, it's, it's an older folks kind of thing and, you know, seems kind of sedate or what a weird thing to do. We went on one as a family last year and I loved every stinking minute of it, dude. Cause here's the thing, you pack up your family, you go, you go someplace, you check into a hotel and you sit in the hotel and there's not a whole lot to do. You know, and so if you want to go do something, you have to get everybody together, get transportation, go somewhere else. You might eat one meal in the hotel, but you're probably going to go out different places. You have to go somewhere all the time. And it's just exhausting. And the thing that I discovered about a cruise is everything is a five minute walk from your bed. It is just... (laughs) It is so amazing. You know, you, you walk out your door, there's like multiple places to eat, to grab a drink, uh, go out on the deck, relax, go swimming, do all the different things. And man, I just don't think, and maybe this is the kind of the old guy in me coming out. I don't think there's a better bang for your vacation, buck. that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, you know, hearing you talk about that a few months ago, I was like, dang, it, it actually piqued my interest. And then I realized I'm, I'm like terrified of cruise ships. I feel like between, I just, I don't know, there's something about being in like large bodies of water that just freak me out. Um, so I, oh, yeah. I don't know, maybe I well, can get over that or maybe you should take me on a cruise with you. Like, do you need me to come on a cruise, Bob? Like would I that- would, man, we should start thinking about that. Okay. Okay. You know what? They do these, like, uh, I, I always see all these people, like different comedians or um, companies or, or rock bands. They do their own branded cruise. Like, I, I saw an ad for a DC Talk cruise once. You could go on a cruise with DC Talk. Yeah. And while, while that one didn't quite grab me, <laughs> I wonder about a Monday morning pastor cruise. Oh. <laughs> Man, wouldn't... Just get a bunch of pastors out on the open seas and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should think about we that. We should, and anybody that wanted to get married, probably like you wouldn't have to have the captain alone. You'd have like your pick. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be plenty of folks around yeah. ready to step up. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't imagine many times on a cruise ship or an airplane. Is there a pastor here? <laughs> like, I, you know. <laughs> 
Well, I'm still waiting for the day when someone says, is there a doctor here? And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> a doctor of leadership and spiritual formation. Is that uh, what is needed? Is that what is needed? No. All right. Well, I'll pray for you. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. Let's pray. Let's, let's think about how this uh, emergency that is unfolding in front of us what what might be God's invitation in the midst of this? Let's just take a take a moment and breathe. And and I, yeah. I feel like that actually leads really well into our conversation. Like, dang, that was good, Bob. We didn't even plan this. It's like I know, the, I know. Maybe the time machine thing is really happening. I'm not sure, but yeah. So it's interesting, right? Like you and I are both, we both coach with, we put, we both coach with Kairos partnerships. You know, we do, uh, you know, I'm a spiritual director with them. I know you do kind of like this hybrid coaching spiritual direction or spiritual coaching or whatever you would, I don't like, do you have a name for it, Bob? Or I I just call it, I, I, I just tell people I do coaching, but because of this, this leadership, leadership and spiritual formation program that I did, it, it just so influenced me that, that it just kind of comes out in my coaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like in, with past appreciation month, I know that there are quite a few pastors that I've coached and I'm sure that you've coached who their church has been kind enough to give them like a budget to say, Hey, yeah. here's a budget for you to kind of work on yourself or buy books or, you know, go on a cruise, uh, or something like that. And although the Monday morning pastor cruise is not yet set, uh, coaching would be potentially like a really great opportunity to use it. So yeah, Bob, what would you say? Like if you, I mean, I know we've kind of talked about coaching and spiritual direction like a bit on this podcast, but even if you're just, if you're thinking about the pastor who's listening, you know, she's just jumping into senior leadership and, you know, she's has, you know, doing some things and she's kind of, you know, why, like, how could coaching help me? Yeah. What would you say to somebody like that? I, I think, um, first I'm glad you mentioned churches kind of writing it into their budget. I, I honestly believe that every, um, every church should be providing a set amount of personal care money mm. for their leadership, you know, and to, to dip into counseling when needed to to get a spiritual director, to get a coach, uh, to have someone who walks alongside them and helps in those times. Um, for me, coaching is really about help. It, it, it's I like to tell people it's not an it's not a telling discipline. It's an asking discipline. I think a lot of people think that they're doing coaching when what they're really doing is mentoring. Yep, they're telling other people what they did. And helping them think about how that might fit for whatever the the current context is. For me, coaching isn't about telling you what I did as a pastor, as a church planner, though occasionally I I will do that, particularly when asked. But Mm -hmm. um, what I'm really trying to do is just help people figure out, kind of narrow down, okay, what do you want to do in this situation and how are you going to get there? Mm -hmm. And the added overlay on that, uh, particularly working with pastors and the kind of the spiritual formation pieces, what do you sense God wants you to do in this situation? Yeah. And, and how are you going to do that? Um, and I, you know what, Doug, I tell people this all the time. Coaching is a really, in one sense, it's a very simple conversational process of Mm -hmm. asking the right kinds of questions at the right time. 
but there's something that's so magic in it. I, mm. I like to, I like to say, you know, think about Solomon, wisest guy in the world, absolute mess of a life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just couldn't live his own wisdom in the way that he needed to. And I really think that that's the way that most of us are. It's like we, we can, when it's somebody else's life, we can see it so clearly when yep. it's ours, something gets opaque. So and true. so what a coach, yeah, what a coach does is just help you conversationally kind of, kind of uh, pull away that, that opaqueness, that veil, and create a conversational spot that your own wisdom is able to show up. And those questions evoke something in you that maybe you didn't even know that you knew, Yeah, you know, and, and that's, to me, that's the, the value of coaching and the magic of it Yeah, is I, I help really smart people be, uh, act smart, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I help wise people act on their wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. In ways that maybe they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah. There there is something about having that person to ask the questions that really just gives this new sense of freedom and this new sense of confidence mm-hmm. in whatever season that they're in. I mean, uh, I feel like, uh, it was funny. I was talking with Dustin. He's on our team with Kairos the other day. And like, you know, he was asking me about spiritual direction and we've kind of, we're going to trade off. Like we're going to, I'm going to take some, co- he's going to coach me for a season and I'm going to mm-hmm. do some spirit. Cause like, I feel like I need coaching right now. Yeah. Um, some of it is like, I feel like I always need coaching to be honest with you. It's not like yeah. you have these moments where you're like, yeah, I, I can use coaching for a few weeks. It's, it's, you know, what a gift it, it is to have a wise person walk, walk with you and just, just help you to think or to look at the situation in whatever way it is in a different perspective. And I mean, even, you know, just a few months ago, I took a, uh, a coaching um, cohort uh, with you and and Sid Holesclaw, yeah. and it was such a gift to my pastoral leadership. But even beyond that, mm-hmm. man, I grew as a person. I mean, I got mm-hmm. I got coaching over those couple months that we were together, learning more about uh, the coaching model and all of that stuff. And just it's like funny. I actually have the coaching model up on my wall uh, here at here at my son's desk, my desk now. Um, but it's just like, dude, I use it for everything. I mean, like even when I'm working through an issue in my own life, it's funny how I, because I've been in coaching and because I'm, I am a coach, like I'm constantly just craving that. Um, yeah. And, and, and two, I think, I think it just sort of is, is that space of, you know, pastors, if you're being appreciated this month and this month and any kind of financial gain, you know, or someone gives you a gift of some sort, and, you know, maybe you do need to take a cruise, right? Or maybe you need to, maybe you, it would be really helpful to just say, man, maybe I should engage coaching for a season. And, yeah. you know, and if you're interested, like, obviously, man, we highly recommend Kairos partnerships um, because we, we've been working with Kairos for a long time. We love it. We just believe in the vision that JR set forth and the team of coaches that we have are phenomenal. Um, like you, you just can't get a bad coach. Uh, and so, yeah, check out, you know, in our show notes, you'll see all the stuff with Kairos partnerships. Um, if you email Dustin, it'll say like, you'll email someone. It's most likely Dustin. Um, and I would just encourage you like, just drop that you you're calling and you heard from MMP, uh, cause it'd be really good just to, yeah, just to let them know that you were listening here. Um, helps us out, makes us look really good. Um, <laughs> nice. yeah, nice. And we'll, uh, We'll, we'll let you know about the cruise as soon as we work out the yes. details. Yeah, we have to find a cruise ship big enough. Um, and <laughs> I got to see if DC Talk will come back together for that. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Psyched for our conversation today. We're going to be listening to a conversation that Bob and I had with my spiritual director, uh, Owen Brock. And um, yeah, Owen, he's been my spiritual director since 2017. Uh, so he, I meet with him monthly. Um, fact, just this morning on October 5th, which you think might is coming out on October, I was with him for an hour this morning, and I just appreciate mm-hmm. him and the wisdom. And you know, spiritual direction is a little bit different than coaching, but um, I, I don't think I could be a pastor today without having a spiritual director, at least mm-hmm. a healthy pastor, without having a spiritual mm-hmm. director. And so, if that's something you're interested in. Uh, we got it. We got a couple spiritual directors or we have one right now, which is me. So you would get, be so lucky because you get to hang out with me. Um, but check out kairospartnerships.org. Well, today's really special for me because I have an opportunity to interview my spiritual director, uh, the one and only Owen Brock. And Owen, really glad that you're with us today. So thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, delighted to have the opportunity. So Owen, I, I mean, I've known you for quite a few years now. I'd love for you to just share some of your story of how you got into spiritual direction, how you became a spiritual director and just God's call in your life in that particular way. Yeah, great. I, I you know, I kind of, I kind of came through this whole arena of spiritual direction kind of backwards in some ways. Uh, I I had been a Christian a long time, had had a fairly dramatic conversion in traveling on Europe and Asia, and been a Christ follower for I don't know twenty five years or something. And uh, at some point along the way, we're set, settled in Cincinnati here, part of a really good vineyard church, and and. But something started to feel off for me. My my uh, experience of Jesus was dissipating, or maybe the best way to say he, he, Jesus would seem to disappear on me for um, months at a time, and uh, then he would show back up, and I thought, well, I don't know what that was about. And uh, uh, so that happened. Uh, it happened over a course of three or four years, and then the last time it was two years. So for a couple of years, I had no real experience of Jesus, um, and I, I, the only language I had for that time in my life was that I was having a faith crisis, and I had 25-plus years in, and I, it was a big investment on my part, and I, this was a little bit disorienting and maybe even frightening, and um, I'm sure my wife was a little frightened, uh, but what happened was I... I um, uh, a good friend of mine, Dave Nixon, was starting a thing uh, called the School of Spiritual Direction under the umbrella of his organization, organization Sustainable Faith. And I, I thought, well, I'm not sure what either the questions or the answers are anymore. And so, um, and I knew my buddy Dave was really good with questions, uh, deep probing questions. And so, I don't know why everybody else was in that first spiritual direction cohort for sustainable faith, but I was there to try and find my way back into the kingdom somehow. And one of the things we did, as you know, from your experiences, we had to go find a spiritual director. So I I tracked somebody down that somebody recommended, and I met with this retired pastor, and uh, he, he asked me a couple questions. He asked me, why did I, what brought me to him today? And I said, Everything I just said to you in about that many words, I just said that Jesus going through these cycles. The last cycle has been a really long one, and I'm worried that I'm having a faith crisis. And uh, 
And he asked, asked me a second question, what are your spiritual practices? And so I said, well, I, I like to read. I read some scripture. I've read the Bible from cover to cover so many times at this point. I'm reading just little bits and pieces, but I like reading Christian literature, theology. I love Dallas Willard and uh, Eugene Peterson, Tom Merton. So I'm a pretty voracious reader. And uh, and then I said, I, I attend this church and I'm on the pastoral staff and I teach from time to time. And I've been part of this men's group for 10 years. And and then I said, and I go twice a year for a silent retreat at the Abbey Gethsemane where Thomas Merton lived. And at that point, he just kind of looked at me and he, he put his hand up in the air and said, this could stop just for a moment. And he says, I don't think you're going to find this language of faith crisis helpful. He says, if anything, you look like a person who's deeply invested in your spiritual life. Mm. But whatever got you here is no longer working. Mm. And um, he says, you look like a really good problem solver. And, it, and you're trying to solve this as if it was a problem. But what if it's not a problem? What if it's an invitation? And I about melted. I felt tears coming down the side of my face. And I felt in that moment, I felt this like weight come off my shoulders. Is it possible that God is inviting me to some way to encounter him in a deeper way? And uh, he said, you're, you're just seeking spiritual integrity, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and that became, became my intro to spiritual direction with my spiritual director. And it's kind of funny. Because I literally was in his house an hour ago. <laughs> it just happened to be that I met with him. Seventeen years later, here we are. Mm -hmm. But uh, I left, and I said, "I don't know what that was, but whatever that was, I w I want to do that." I felt different. I felt um, that God's invitation in my life, and uh, so uh, then I took the rest of the training, and uh, with the year one course at the time, and then the year two course, and then and then here we are. That's a great uh, story and great intro to kind of the, the flavor, the texture of spiritual direction for those that might not have experienced it themselves. Um, Owen, you've, you've, been, uh, you've been Doug's spiritual director for a while now. So let me ask you, what's Doug's <laughs> biggest spiritual issue? What's his problem? Uh, I don't think know, we have enough time for him to name them all. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, uh, so I could answer that just briefly, just for a joke standpoint. Uh, Doug's biggest problem is he's so self-aware, and, <laughs> and and that leads him to mm. explore his inner world and connect it to his outer world. As uh, David Benner says, the more self-aware we are, the more we can, uh, uh, more of our life we can offer to God. And, and Doug is pretty good at kind of reviewing his life and in, in uh, trying find the places where God is at work. So hmm. makes his, makes my life easy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I appreciate it, Owen. Um, I mean, just a little bit of context. Like I, I was in, in a bit of, uh, uh, experience some spiritual direction, uh, when I was actually out at Portland seminary, uh, with, uh, Mary Kate Morse. And, uh, there's another guy named Sheldon who was out there as well. And, uh, came kind of finished that up and just was feeling like the Lord was inviting me into something. And I Google searched, mm -hmm. uh, 
I Google searched uh, evangelical spiritual director or like something like I, I went onto like this, this thing of like, I want a spiritual director that believes in Jesus. Like, cause I, there's a lot of different spiritual directors out there and you know, uh, sustainable faith popped up and, and I, I went onto this site and I was like, Oh, this guy looks cool. And sent an email and you know, here we are. I think that was in 2019, if I'm correct, is when the sounds about right. Might have been 18. It's been a long time. Um, but mm. I think what's been really cool is like, yeah, we've we've met monthly since. And um I I tell people I, I don't know if I would be enjoying just life with God like I do now if it wasn't for 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 your investment in my life mm. and and even to the point where I feel like as past, I don't, I don't think a pastor should should live life without a spiritual director, and that's probably mm -hmm. a very bold statement. But I know for me, it's been super helpful. So yeah, I thought it might be really good too. Like, how do you define spiritual direction, right? Because some people might have heard that term; they've heard us talk about it a lot. But maybe coming from a spiritual director, it'd be good to hear. Yeah, like what is spiritual direction? Hmm. Wow. That's a great question, and I think that my understanding of what spiritual direction is has evolved a lot over the years. At my the simple version of it, and we can back up from there, is that it's it's um it, it's the wrong term for what we do. It's, we're really companions, not spiritual directors. The Holy Spirit's the director. But I, lately, the last couple of years, Doug, I've really felt more like defining spiritual direction is um a, a someone who comes alongside someone else to help them. Um, learn to be more self-aware. That is, the the more that they are self-aware, the the more that they're able to kind of tune into the work that God is doing in their life. So it it has this connection to companioning someone, but there it's a it's to come alongside someone to help them explore their spiritual life in a meaningful way. And when I say that. Uh, you know, I hope that the people I meet with come to believe that all of life is spiritual, that we're not just focused on one small aspect of their life, but the invitation to all of us is that Christ is everywhere, in everything, in, in all of our life. There's a, there's, a really, uh, there's a really great model for this that a woman named Margaret Smith talks about. It's got three circles, the where am I circle, is where most of us spend our life. It's the in my world, I would be a husband, a father, a grandfather, a designer, a, uh, a spiritual director, a teacher. I love to hike. I love to camp. And she would say the next circle in from the where am I circle is the how am I circle. And this is where spiritual direction takes place. It takes all of the fodder of our life, the life that we're, as Dave Nixon would say, not the life that we're hoping for, but the life we're actually living. And it brings us into focus to saying, how am I doing with that particular life? And so in some ways, it's an effort to sacramentalize all the ordinary parts of our life and, and help bring them into the into exposure to the kingdom, if you will. And she'd say that the inner circle, she calls from where am I, how am I, to who am I? And that's the place where God has designed me and my journey is constantly towards that place of, of being the person that God intended us to be. Spiritual direction in some ways, midwives that conversation from what's going on in my world, where do I see God in the midst of that? How do I, again, the word sacramentalize, how do I make holy all of my life, not just church on Sunday morning or um, my Bible reading? or uh, And so the journey 
from that part to the who am I comes through this place of how am I. Um, I, I love, you know, the, the vineyard has recommended that every single pastor in the vineyard, I don't know how many pastors domesticated that, it must be six or seven hundred pastors, has recommended all of their pastors have a spiritual director now. We, we're just seeing the world. Well, you didn't ask this question, but I, I'll just tell you that in the Middle Ages, um, the monasteries held on to scriptures. In the Dark Ages, when everything was going kaflui, um, the monasteries were places of hospitality, places of offering Christ, places of holding scripture. And I think the world right now is going through a similar season of great straining and controversy. Um, disappointment sometimes in our organizational institutions. And the reason why I continue to teach spiritual, train spiritual directors is I think God is raising up people to care for his church, to love people where they are, help uh, to midwife them from where they are to a, a place of integrity. And um, I just think as, as life unravels around us, more and more and more people are going to need some place to process their spiritual life. My goodness, I do. I mean, I met with my director this morning and said, I've got four or five things that are humming around in my head. I'm trying to make a connection between things. And there are, there are times in spiritual direction, well, not just the spiritual direction, but this is where it takes place, is that we just need to say some things out loud. Yep. The, the, the speaking of it into existence is like an incarnation, and suddenly we see the connections between these things. And I think that's the gift that spiritual directors offer others. And as you work with pastors, um, what do you find? And that's that's primarily our audience, and so that's why I ask about them at this point. But what do you find? What what are pastors struggling with these days? And how? What do you find is most helpful for them? I, bet, I think there's two things that come to mind uh, about what the pastors and and I, as a spiritual director, there's a not all the people I meet with are pastors, but there's a good number of them. And a good number that take our training courses are pastors. And there's two things that come to mind. One is there's younger or middle-aged pastors who are kind of going through some deconstruction and they're trying to process a, a, an evolving spiritual life. And they oftentimes don't, they oftentimes they feel like they're alone and uh, to, to, to validate their questions and to sit with them and listen how they're processing life and ask them uh, questions that help explore these transitions. It's something they can't do at church. You know, this is not something that mm. you can... Um, I once heard a, a pastor, a friend of ours, a vineyard pastor, who, who said to his congregation, there was, there was times in my life uh, that I didn't believe in God, and sometimes I was your pastor during that time. So, you know, there's things that not too many people can be that vulnerable. But the, the other person that comes oftentimes in a pastoral role is people have come to me and they're they're in their early 60s or mid-60s and they're on the kind of brink of retirement. Mm. And the, the, the words that come out of their mouth is, I just want to finish well. I, I really want to, to do a good job of serving God. And my favorite part of doing that 
is meeting with people one-on-one. -on -one. And this is the reason why some pastors take our training is because I can leave behind a lot of the mechanics of running an institution and the church and the fundraising budgets and all the other parts that are can be difficult. He said, but I really want to continue for the rest of my life meeting with people and helping kind of pastor them in a way. And so spiritual direction for them ends up being a, a gift, a refining maybe gift for a different season of their life. Yeah, my, my sense is that there are probably pastors listening that are probably in either of those camps, but I'm thinking about some of those younger ones right now who are kind of feeling that yeah, just like man, I'm I'm, you know, where my faith was 5 years ago when I started or 10 years ago to where it is now feels like a different a different animal, right? And they're trying to yeah, figure yeah. out, you know, what does it look like to to have a relationship with God outside of all the spiritual tasks that I do. Um yeah. and so yeah, yeah, like I I'm just I'm curious like what would be your encouragement to to a young pastor right now who's in that deconstruction stage and like trying to find where Jesus is in all of that. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing I would say is that there are seasons in our life where um, the questions that we carry are more important than the answers. And uh, as we begin to kind of lean into those questions, uh, again, that um, a lot of times in our culture, and I, I was in the same boat, we tend to think as that is a season of doubt. There's a, there's a lovely book by a guy named Addison Hodges Hart called, um, oh boy, I'm going to forget here, uh, Skepticism, uh, Anxiety, and Community, or something along those lines. It's called Knowing Dark. That's what it's called. The, the other is the subtitle. And he, he said something that was super helpful for me. He says, um, there's a difference between doubt and skepticism. You know, a, a doubt may just be a desire to just wander away from from all that we believe. Skepticism is a muddled place where we are not happy about where we are, but there's still a part of us that is longing for something. And he defines skepticism uh, as a Latin word that with the root. The understanding is it's a search for the truth. Um, and this is again what my spiritual director says: you're searching for integrity. He, he says skepticism needs to be part of our spiritual life. That means that we should have the capacity to question, to probe. Um, and uh, he says that actually when we run into churches where there is no skepticism, he says people will believe almost anything. And a lot of the things they believe are not really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love David's dark uh, take on this. He says we have to get to a place of believing that God's affections for us are not hinged upon us believing all the right things about him, um, which totally makes sense, right? Who, who of us, what, a, what an ego statement to believe that we've all got God completely figured out and we know what he's all about. But the permission, if you will, to explore your spiritual life, uh, to seek integrity. Yeah, I think that that's really helpful because I know for me, that was one of the things that continues to draw me towards yeah, towards having a spiritual director is just that idea of like, man, I have a safe place to to just ask some of those harder questions to recognize the tension, right? And like, is this a is this a problem to be solved or is it a tension to be, you know, is it a tension to behold or is it a place where I just need to verbalize these particular things? And and it's 
it's really unique because my sense is that in years past, um, the the hope was that the 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 organizational structure of a denomination was going to be able to provide that kind of spiritual companionship. But I think what is mm-hmm. what has happened is is that 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 it it's a, it, they're so in bed with the success of the church and all the other things that it's right. almost like there has to be these other spaces of hospitality where pastors' hearts are listened to and cared for. Um, and yeah, I and I think like I think what's what's really challenging is. Um, you know, as I'm looking at the landscape of things, uh, I I just get the sense there's something about being listened to for a pastor. Mm-hmm. I think so many pastors spend hours upon hours of listening well that there's something that transpires spiritually when a pastor is just able to be heard. Um, and yeah, and I appreciate that about you, Owen. And and I also like I'm just curious, like, what would you say to the person right now who's thinking like, oh, okay. You know, I, I know I need to, I know I need, like, I'm in this sort of space or I just wonder, I'm curious about spiritual direction. Where's a good place to kind of start? Or like, how would you encourage someone who's interested in spiritual direction other than like emailing you or me or Bob, you know, like what are some other spaces that might be helpful? Well, there's lots of opportunities to find spiritual directors now. The landscape has changed in the last 30 or 40 years in uh, as you know from our reading, it was sequestered inside the Catholic Church, and they held on to this charism for a long time. But um, there, there are several national, international websites. Um, the one that you mentioned, ESBA that website address is actually graftedlife.com or .org. I forget now. Um, but it's more of a kind of a mainstream. I would use the word evangelical, but I'm not sure. Um, that word means a lot of different things right. nowadays, but they're they're a very contemplative version of the evangelical. I I would suggest, and the other one is a place called SDI uh, Spiritual Directors International, and um, those are both two nationally recognized, uh, internationally recognized organizations where people, spiritual directors, can have profiles. Up. Um, the SDI is a little bit more ecumenical. There'll be people of other faiths on that website uh, trying to share whatever wisdom and care for their congregations or their individuals. Um, the other thing to do is I think if I was sitting in Memphis, Tennessee, I would just Google local spiritual directors in Memphis, Tennessee, and see it depends on how important it is for you to meet with a person face to face. So I probably... Uh, after COVID, probably meet with about a third of my people face to face, and the other two thirds are online, and they're scattered across the country as, as you are. Uh, but if if it was somehow important for a person to meet face to face, I would just start with a local Google search and just say who who's doing spiritual direction. There's there's in in a lot of communities you're going to find people. Certainly, in places where our organization is trained, there's going to be dozens of spiritual directors in an area. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's where I would start. Yeah, and I I think that's been really a, a really important thing to think about. How you know, twenty years ago, uh, the, my first interaction with a spiritual director was actually at a youth ministers conference. Uh, I was in, I think I was in Austin, Texas, and my my life at the time, I, I hit my first faith crisis. Right, I was a young pastor. 
um, mm-hmm. went went through being on staff where three of my heroes, three of my people fell to affairs. Um, and I remember going to this thing and listening to a guy read the Bible in a very dramatic way. And I just lost it. And I could not stop crying. Mm-hmm. Literally for a full day, I could not stop crying. And uh, somebody said, oh, you know, they have spiritual directors in this room over here. And I thought, oh, that's, I don't even know what that is, but I'll, I'll go check that out. And I walked into this room and sat down with this guy and, and he just compassionately listened. Um, and mm-hmm. I was a mess. And he just said, he said, brother, it sounds like you actually need counseling right now. There's a lot of wounds there um, that mm-hmm. you probably need to to talk with someone who's who's able to just help counsel you. So yeah, it, which brings me to that question: like, how would somebody know whether like, uh, and have you had experience where someone comes for spiritual direction and what they actually find out is counseling might be the best place to start? Like, how would you encourage someone in that? Like, hey, maybe you just need to be in a counseling setting at the moment. Yeah, that's a great question. I- you know that I tend to think of the difference between spiritual direction and counseling or psychoanalysis as um, along. We, we see them as under the, the same umbrella of a caring profession. Um, spiritual direction, we would think, falls under the umbrella of spiritual formation. Uh, but counseling and uh, psychoanalysis tends to be problem centric. So I I go to a counselor when I I. I've got a problem that needs fixing. You know, I'm drinking too much or I have addiction or uh, my son ran away from home or my marriage is in trouble. I'm looking for somebody to give us some kind of structure or remedy to help kind of uh, address the place where our greatest pain is. The, The difference in some ways is that people come to us in spiritual direction. Oftentimes, they're not broken in that particular way. It's more that they're carrying a weight or or maybe a loved one has passed away and they're grieving. And these are not things that need fixing. They're, they're things that need companion. And so the, the differential mm. for me is if I'm meeting with somebody and their marriage is on the rocks um, and it, it emerges out of the conversations that we're having because we're talking about all of life, I, I would recommend to them, you're welcome to keep meeting with me, but I would recommend that you also get some counseling for your marriage. Because I'm not a trained marriage counselor, I've been married a bucket load of years, and I can probably give you some advice. But we're, we tend to spiritual directors don't tend to try to not give advice, uh, but rather probe for what the person is learning inside. So I would recommend that. I I also have more common to me is that somebody's already in counseling comes to me, and their counselor has suggested that you might also benefit from receiving spiritual direction, and so. And in those situations, we just tell the, our directee, would you please mention to your counselor that you're also seeing me so that they know that there's care going on on both sides of the equation, so to speak. But um, it doesn't oftentimes happen. It does not oftentimes happen that somebody comes to me that I say, I think you need counseling more than you need spiritual direction. But it, it does occasionally surface. And again, uh, if we thought of counseling as being problem-centric, and don't hear that as a wrong thing. Boy, if I've got a problem going to a counselor, it's a really good thing. Um, but but the spiritual direction tends to be more uh, helping people explore the evolution of their faith. It's not a problem, uh, is even if they might. I've had people come to me and say, I've got a problem with my spiritual life, and as we explore it a little bit, we find it, well, that's not really a problem. It's an invitation, mm-hmm. and here's, things are changing. 
And so we move out of the problem solving category to more of a helping them explore their inner world a bit. Is that helpful? Yeah. Um, and I think, and I think part of that, part of just that whole understanding of, of the invitation, I, I'd love for you to even just talk for a, a, just a couple minutes. Like you've used that word a few times, and I know that's a word that I use a lot. And that's, that's a word that we really look at, but how would you define, like, how would someone know that the, the problem or the thing that they think is, is, is the issue is actually an invitation from God? Wow. It, when you when you when you cross that threshold, that a person a person transitions from believing they have a problem to sensing invitation, you can see it light up in their faces. It's just a such a beautiful. It's like a it's like a rebirth in some ways. Um, a part of the, the the work there is it revolves around our image and understanding of who God is. It, it all. What what we imagine is a problem or a crisis almost always has to do with our understanding of who God is, his image. I love, you know, this quote by Margaret Gunther, which you've heard me say before, is our images of God are just that, images. As we see their limitations, we outgrow them. The, the difficulty comes when we believe we've outgrown God uh, in, instead. And so the the uh, I reminded of J.B. Phillips' book, Your God is Too Small. This is, that's a book for all of us. It's, it's because we have a picture of who God is, and when God starts to step out of that box that we placed him in, what happens is we think he's disappeared, or we think he's not who we thought we, he was. Well, that's true. But the question is, is what we don't yet know is, is who is he? And so the invitation is to imagine, as Paul says, that we see in part. And it's hard, especially in uh, some of our mainland denominations and in the evangelical world, we fill our minds with knowledge about God, but we oftentimes leave out the experience or are lacking the experience of God. And so what happens is we think that we're trying to contain God in our head in some ways. And God is just so much bigger than that. And so the, the crisis, so to speak, happens when our deepest longing to connect with God and be in relationship with Him starts to evolve, and we start to say, "I'm not sure I know who God is anymore. He seems to be bigger or more mysterious or something that we can't quite get our handle on. He slips through our fingers, so to speak, and so then our work begins to kind of explore and say, "Who, who is uh, 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 Barry?" Conley talked about this. They said that sometimes we're reluctant to let God be who he is, and they call that idolatry. And so we begin to move to the space of beginning to again to have the freedom to explore who is, who is God to me during this season in my life, and how do I respond to him? And this can be, for many people, it could be a, a, a change in the way that we pray. It, um, sometimes people come to spiritual direction and they're way of praying is the same as it was 20 years ago. Their understanding of God is the same as it was 20 years ago. Everything else in life has evolved. Their understanding of marriage and family and education and politics and science and health, all those things have evolved, but they're, they're stuck with a particular way of thinking about God. So that has to evolve to have a robust and meaningful spiritual life. Yeah, in some ways, um, I think 
maybe our job uh, is just to help help folks see the the embedded invitation in everything. You know that God is He's present in in all of those situations and always kind of drawing us towards Him and and just helping identify what might be God's invitation mm. in that. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a. a I saw just a short interview with an actor today and uh, they were asking him about like, what, what's your, what's your philosophy? And one of the pieces that came up was, was he said early on, he used, uh, he learned this philosophy of use the difficulty. Hmm. Uh, he had been on stage and he was behind the, the scenes waiting to come out. And the, the two actors on stage were ad-libbing and they got a little carried away. And one of them threw a chair and it went in front of this guy's entrance and he like, he, he didn't know, should I just push open the door? So he asked the director, what do I do? And the director said, use the difficulty. He said, if it's a, if it's a comedy, then trip over the chair. If it's a, if it's a drama, then pick the chair up and smash it, you know? And he said, he said, that's been my whole thing all my life is, is how do I use mm. the difficulty? And I think as as spiritual directors, that's kind of what we're trying to do is is shift people's mindset from yeah, that's a problem, but it's also yeah. an invitation. What's the yeah. invitation? You know, that's really great. Yeah. yeah. It's, again, it's it's this this idea of of not that God is not present to us in the life we're hoping for, but in the life we're actually living. So, what is the father? Yeah. Is it the chair? Is the drape boom pull back? What is the father in our life right now? is helping shape and so in spiritual direction if someone is encountered a very difficult thing in their life you know we we might if, if we have enough trust built with the directee we might simply ask a question like how are you being changed by this circumstance and um and mm -hmm. also when we're, we're done exploring that question we can ask how is god seem different to you now after a year of these circumstances mm -hmm. and and these are questions i I wish I'd known how to ask these questions 30 years ago, but now I begin to understand that, that yeah. um, it, it, our job isn't to kind of uh, live a, in a cloud someplace. Mm. Uh, you know, that what's that question? Uh, how are you doing under the circumstances? And you're not supposed to be under the circumstances. We're going to be above yeah. it. You know, all that yeah. stuff. That, a better question would be, how how is your life being changed because of these circumstances? So. Mm. Uh, that I think that's just take it's taken an evolution in my understanding that God is not here to protect us from every single hard thing, um, but to figure out a way to help us navigate the hard things that they might be, as you said, invitations to change. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, I feel like we should make this an hour so it can sort of reflect the, uh, you know, what a normal, typical spiritual direction thing is. And I've been kind of kicking that back and forth. I was like, maybe we should just record a, like an actual spiritual direction thing. But I'm like, I don't know. That probably be, it probably wouldn't be right because everyone's different, right? Like the, the way that spiritual direction works with people is just such a beautiful gift. And there's something so intimate. Mm -hmm and personal about that. But Owen, oh, with it being Pastor Appreciation Month, um, who who's a pastor that you're just really grateful for in your life? Well, I've... Uh, yeah. Uh, he's fishing. Yeah. He's fishing. <laughs> say Doug. Say Doug. You can't say me. I, Come on now. <laughs> I think if we're talking about the living and the dead... Yes. Uh, 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 Eugene Peterson was a big hero for me. I, I, I love the way that he... 
um, embedded himself with a congregation and lived with them for 30 some years or so. Uh, and I also love the way that he was grounded. Like he, every summer he would go back to Montana and live in this cabin that he and his brother and his dad built and then eventually retired there. And that uh, just felt remarkably healthy perspective on life and grounding. And uh, I've also uh, really always loved the theology of um, Dallas Willard, got to spend uh, a weekend with him in a house church planters retreat out in Idaho. And he just hung out with us and allowed him to ask all kinds of theological exploration questions. And he taught us a little bit, but a lot of like fireside chat. And um, I wish more pastoring was like that. More pastoring was a fireside chat and uh, let our hair down again. Maybe not have the great exposition, but we could explore life together. And I, those two guys have been super meaningful for me. And of course you do. No, of course. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, and I just want to say thank you for pastoring my heart um, over the journey that we've been on. And um, yeah, I just, I want to encourage all pastors listening. If, uh, if you don't have a spiritual director, um, I just want you to know, like, your life can change in really cool ways when you enter into a relationship with a spiritual companion. Um, and so if it's, if it's something that the Lord's kind of stirring in you, man, shoot us an email. You know, we'd love to get you connected with Owen or with other spiritual directors or through Kairos or whatever, but it's just such a beautiful ministry. So Owen, thanks for being with us today. To the pastors, to the men and women without honor in their own hometowns, Neighbors roll their eyes, and friends walk away because the fit doesn't fit like it did. You aren't invisible. Your service isn't unseen or unappreciated. Those hospital visits mattered more than you'll know. Those meals, those words, that wisdom, that rebuke that didn't go over well, that sermon that didn't even land with you, that ball game of your kids that you didn't get to see. To an all too thankless job, but one so well done, we say, Thank you, pastors. Thank you. You are lamps on stands for everyone in the house, and it's so much lighter with you here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is produced by Joel Inbound at Audelin Productions. Uh, he is ready and available for any of your podcast, video, or creatively telling your story needs. Also, if you're looking to grow in your leadership, Kairos Partnerships offers several free resources to help you do that on a weekly basis. We encourage you to follow us at Kairos Partnerships on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our weekly newsletter that J.R. Briggs writes weekly called Five Things in Five Minutes. You can find the link in the show notes to subscribe. We highly recommend it. And lastly, if this podcast has added value to your ministry, we ask that you would leave us a review on whatever platform you are downloading us on. Uh, and we ask that you would share it with other pastors. We're really hoping to continue to create a community of pastors that care for one another. We'll see you next week.